You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, episode 208. Hello, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantor's speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I help high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. Go to thecmethod.com slash group coaching to check out my next upcoming program for professional women. It's all about helping you to have more confidence, influence, and impact in the workplace. So if that sounds like you, go check it out, thecmethod.com slash group coaching. Now, if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, you'll know that I have been away, I've been getting married, and I am off on a honeymoon. So this intro is pre-recorded. And this is the final week of the podcast takeover. Now, I'm sure I'll I'll be sure to update you with some lessons learned probably from the wedding when I'm back. And um, this week, I'm very, very excited to have my amazing sister, Zay Cantors, back on the show. Now, you may have heard Zay back on the podcast in episode 150, where we talked about identity. And that was a really powerful episode. It's one of my personal favorites. Now, if you if you did hear that episode, you might be wondering, hang on, Christina, wasn't isn't your sister's name Lizay? Well, they have changed their name to Zay, and you may notice that I'm referring to Zay as they instead of she. Now, Zay is going to explain why that is in this episode or perhaps the next one as well. Now, if you enjoy this episode, please reach out to Zay and let them know. Okay, let's get into it. Please welcome the wonderful Zay Cantors. What's up, my friends, and welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed. I'm Zay Cantors, addiction and mindset coach and founder of How I Quit Drinking Alcohol, where we help people around the world overcome alcohol addiction. And I'm also co-founder of Fearless Movement Collective, supporting their LGBTIQA plus community transition into a healthier lifestyle with online fitness, nutrition and mindset coaching. And thank you so much, Christina, for that wonderful introduction. I do believe it was last week where my partner Bowie and I were talking about gender diversity and how to use inclusive language. And so today's podcast is all about helping your audience to learn effectively and connect with your message. These techniques are particularly useful in face-to-face workshops, presentations or trainings. So last night I went ice skating with my partner and our trans and gender diverse peer support group. And during the ice skating session, they said that there would be a free ice skating lesson available to anyone who wanted to join in. And seeing as though we'd only been ice skating maybe a couple of times before, we thought it'd be a really good idea to go and check out this lesson. When we arrived in the lesson, we were greeted by this lovely ice skating teacher and a bunch of other unco people on ice skates who were there gripping onto the railings. And the instructor started us off with getting us to hold onto the railings, move from right to left foot, progressing to letting go of the railings, moving forwards, turning around, learning to stop, learning to fall and learning to go backwards and all at really low speeds. By the end of the session, we had all learned a bunch of new skills and we felt proud that we had achieved something. Now we could go on to practice and get better at ice skating. 
if our instructor had told us to let go of the railings and start skating with some speed, I probably wouldn't have felt so safe and maybe thought the class was a bit too advanced for me. Have you ever been in a situation like this where your audience has really loved what you taught, even if it was some of the most basic lessons or techniques? Or maybe the content you shared was a bit too advanced for your audience and they switched off. Or maybe you've been in the audience and you were the learner like us as beginner ice skaters and felt really safe to learn something cool. Or maybe you experienced some kind of disconnection or resistance to what your trainer was teaching you. When you are the trainer, the last thing you want your audience to do is switch off or resist your message or distrust you. And here are some two reasons why this disconnect can occur. The first reason is that you may be sharing content that is at a level that your audience is not at yet or not ready for. If you want to learn more about how to plan your presentation to suit your audience, listen to podcast episode 98, that's how to plan your presentation, where Christina talks about understanding your audience and gives you an epic presentation template that you can download. I use this presentation template to help me plan my workshops. It's really awesome. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes where you can find it at the cmethod.com slash 208. And the second reason your audience can switch off is that it could be because they are at a particular level of thinking at a certain psychological level and you are jumping too far ahead of their thinking. It's like getting them to practice when you haven't even taught them the steps yet. It's like diving straight into a deep conversation about intimate feelings when you've only just met a person. It's just going a bit too far. There needs to be a sequence of events, a journey that you need to take your audience on. So just imagine a ladder, like when your audience first walks into the room, they are standing at the bottom of the ladder. It's your responsibility as the trainer to take your audience on the journey up the ladder. Instead of asking them to jump up four rungs at a time, you get them to take just one step at a time until they reach the top. And it's important to know where your audience's collective thinking is at because the more you understand and calibrate your audience, the better you'll be at communicating with them in a way in which they understand and connect with. And they're more likely to be receptive of your message. So what we're going to be learning about in this podcast are three ways you can understand where your audience is at and how to create a powerful learning experience. So what is a powerful learning experience? What do I even mean by that? For me personally, a powerful learning experience is one which I learn something new, something that is related to me and what I care about, and something that I can actually implement into my life, something that will improve the quality of my life in some way. I also find powerful learning experiences ones where I connect to other people and create new friendships and find people who have the same values as me, who care about the same kind of things. And another powerful learning experience is one where I learn something about myself, which I didn't know before. I think it's incredibly empowering when that happens. And it may not only be learned in some kind of personal development training, but I can learn something new about myself in any kind of situation. It can just be a moment that I realize that I can actually do something I never thought I could do. Those are just a few things that can create a powerful learning experience. Now I'm going to share with you how you can create a powerful learning experience by exploring these three awesome stages. First, I'll share what they are, and then I'll go into each of them in more depth and how you can use them. 
They are number one, build trust, two, create relatability, and three, cultivate uniqueness. It's important that you do this in order to move your audience through the different stages. So let's start at the beginning. When people encounter you for the first time, whether it be a presentation, a workshop, or a training where you are the facilitator, they subconsciously start in a state of distrust. So number one is building trust. When people are in a level of distrust, it's all about survival. They do not connect with other people. They're generally responding to fear, like the fear of being judged, being rejected, not being loved. It's the fear of not being worthy. They may not feel like they are worthy of even being in the room. So when someone is in a state of distrust, they may be experiencing a lot of social anxiety of being in a new place, not trusting anyone, afraid of people judging them or rejecting them. It's challenging for people in a state of distrust to comprehend or actually learn any useful information because they're focusing purely on survival, on just getting through. Generally, they're thinking about themselves And when they're thinking about themselves and what they look like and how they're being perceived by other people or whether someone's going to say something to them or whatever, they're not capable of thinking about anything or anyone else. So we need to build their trust before we teach them anything or give them any information. When it comes to a group of people that you are giving a presentation to who don't know you well already, your audience is going to be in some level of distrust. Subconsciously, your audience will be thinking something like, I'm not like anyone else here. I don't trust anyone. Who gives a crap about you? What's in it for me? They may be wondering if they're in the right place. And your job as a trainer or facilitator is to help them move from not having any trust in you or anyone to trusting and feeling connected to you and the others in the room and knowing that they're in the right place. So how do we build this trust? First, you need to acknowledge where they're at. When you acknowledge that where they're at, that you know that 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 how they might be feeling, you're showing them respect. You're showing them that you see them. You're showing them that you care about them. And how you can do this is by acknowledging the time and effort it took to even get into that room, all the traffic that they had to deal with, the kids they had to organize, that they could have been doing so many other things, but they made a choice to be there. And that means that they're committed to getting the results from being a part of that workshop or that training. People who are in a level of distrust are only thinking about themselves. And when they are in that space, we need to make it all about them and what they are going to get out of it. One thing not to do is to start talking about yourself and how awesome you are and why they should be listening to you. So people in a state of distrust don't care about you or what you do. They just want to know about how you can help them. My partner and I went to a presentation where the trainer launched straight into talking about all of his successes and how amazing he was and um, we just didn't really connect or trust him at all and we ended up leaving um, the first moment that we could. So in order to build trust from the beginning, we simply must acknowledge our audience, show that we care about them and focus on what they are going to get out of being here. It doesn't have to be huge, it can just be a short acknowledgement. Once you've done this, your next goal is to move your audience to the second state they need to be in for them to have a powerful learning experience. 
and that is to create relatability. So the second stage is create relatability. When your audience is in a state of relatability, they start to trust you and they start to trust the others in the group. They start to loosen up a bit. They start to connect and talk to each other. They begin to have a little bit of fun. And what we're wanting to create with relatability is for your audience to be thinking, huh, yeah, right, like I like these people. We're kind of the same as each other. And this is a really cool space to be in because in this state, they're not worried about themselves anymore. They're becoming more receptive to learning and comprehending new information. In order to move your audience to relatability, you need to show the audience that they can relate to others and that they're in the right place. You could say something like, first of all, I'd like to start a conversation about what has potentially brought you here. And someone puts their hand up and says their answer. And you could say, who else is here for blah? You know, who's here because they want to learn more about blah? And, you know, people will put their hands up. And you could say something like, put your hand up if you connect with that. Keep your hand up high and have a look around the room. And so you get people to look around the room, connect with each other, give each other some significance and get to know that, you know, they're all here for the same reason. They all want to learn the same kind of things. And this is a really awesome and basic facilitation technique. Christina does it all the time and she teaches it in her workshops. Um, She does it in her presentations to connect and, and create engagement with her audience. And by doing this, we are accomplishing two things. One, by making the first person who put their hand up feel really good, by rewarding and acknowledging, by getting other people you know, just finding the other people to agree with them so they don't feel like they're that one loner that's the only person that is putting their hand up. And it's also going to make them want to put their hand up even more. And secondly, the audience thinks, wow, there's a lot of people here for the same reason, creating some kind of relatability, some kind of belonging. And once we've created the sense of belonging in the group and they feel like they're in the right place, they're surrounded by people who are like them and that they can trust, it's time to share with them something that's going to help them in some way. While it's awesome that people get to connect and relate, we don't want to just leave them there. We need to teach them something or share some kind of information with them. In order to do this, they need to step out of the safety of the tribe and step into their unique personal power. They need to learn something new and try it for themselves. And this brings us to the third way to create a powerful learning experience, and that is to cultivate uniqueness. So cultivating uniqueness is all about helping your audience find their individuality. It's helping them believe in their own power and ability to do something. It's about discovering more of who they are, more of what they care about and what they're good at. The state of uniqueness is about your audience taking full responsibility for their learning, their situation, their problem, and choosing to solve it on their own. People in this state of uniqueness starts to put themselves first. They care less about what people think of them and belonging, and they care more about being different. The thinking that you want to cultivate in your audience is, I'm starting to feel like I can do this. I reckon this is for me. This is the part of your training or workshop that is action-based. New empowering beliefs and actual change 
is really created by taking action. And this is where you can teach your audience the thing that they're there to learn or sharing with them the information that they need to hear. So how do we cultivate uniqueness? Firstly, it would be to teach small chunks that are just one step ahead of where they're currently at, not to give them 10 steps, but just one or a few small steps. Secondly, you can get your audience engaged in connecting to your message by asking some questions, maybe at the end of what you've taught them. So what was it about the stuff that we just learned that was the most impactful for you? What was confronting about it? What are you excited to do about it? How is it giving you more fuel to move towards what you really want in life? What is it that you're finding useful? What are you going to do as a result of the things that we just learned? So all these questions help the audience to relate what we just learned to their own personal lives and to focus on how it will actually help them. In this space, it can be super beneficial to share with your audience some powerful messages that can help them get to this point. For example, one one message that you can share is, the more that you think about doing something without doing it, the more your self-esteem will decrease. So, for example, when it comes to like my fitness training, if I get up in the morning and I think about it and I think about doing a training session and I think about it some more and then I keep thinking about it and then I don't do it, then my self-esteem is going to decrease. It's going to drop. But if I um, just do the training session and I get it done and I take action, then my self-esteem is going to rise. And so that's important to, for people to know. So just thinking about it isn't going to be really helpful. In order to um, cultivate that unique power within us and to feel empowered is to actually do the thing. So us as trainers need to help our clients get to that stage. The second message that you can share with them is you have to start before you're ready. You know, you'll never be ready to start You just have to begin. So most people are waiting for some kind of confidence or clarity or having enough knowledge to to get started on something. But all of those things, they don't just come to you. They only come from actually doing the thing. And so that message can help your audience to, you know, just take that very first step that first step that's just going to give them that feeling of, yes, I did it. I knew I could do it or I didn't know I could do it. That's amazing. And the third one is imperfect action is better than perfect inaction or no action at all. So many people are perfectionists and they're afraid of doing something if it's not going to be perfect so they never ever get started on something. So it's important to let them know that at the beginning, it's cool. Like, I mean, it's always going to be imperfect. Like, um, what is perfection anyways? But taking imperfect action is awesome. And it's it's way better than not taking any action at all. So here are some some awesome messages that you can share in this, in this um, stage of cultivating uniqueness that can help your audience to get the courage, to cultivate that courage and you need this to step out and take action, the action that's going to make them feel absolutely amazing. 
And finally, you as the trainer, you need to believe in your audience more than they even believe in themselves. If you believe that they can do it, then they are more likely to believe that they can do it. The person with the most certainty always wins. So you need to be the person with the most certainty. All right, so just to give you a quick recap, we talked about what it means to create a powerful learning experience and three ways that you can help your audience go from being skeptical and distrustful to leaving feeling connected to your message. The three ways are to build trust, to create relatability, and to cultivate uniqueness and in that order. If you do all of these things, your audience will be walking away from your training with a new mentor that they trust, a sense of belonging, having found a new tribe of people that they can connect with, new learnings that they can implement to improve the quality of their life, and the powerful belief that they can actually do the thing that they came to you to learn. Again, if you want to learn more, show notes will be at thecmethod.com slash 208. And if you love this podcast, share it with your friend. And that's all from me this week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Christina is excited to be back with you next week. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. My name's A. Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs>